welcome to another episode of Loathe Like Love with me, Contrera, from Beyond Beckdale. In this week's episode, I'm going to go back to what I see as pure feminist content, as I feel like sometimes in the current world, I have drifted away from women talking about women and working with women. I'd also like to talk about cognitive dissonance, which is something that I feel all the time and whenever I see some media content that um, is aimed at women, I find that I have feelings of loathing and liking and sometimes loving at the same time. Um, and I think it's really interesting to explore whether something can be both good for the film and feminist cause at the same time as being bad in other areas because the intersectionality of media means that what's good for one group of people might actually be detrimental to others. For anyone who's never heard of the term cognitive dissonance, it comes from psychology and it means holding two conflicting beliefs at the same time, basically. And I'm using it to say uh, that I like something and I loathe something. (laughs) Um, So um, I'm going to talk about a main piece of content where I have this cognitive dissonance, but I want to quickly talk about something Um, which kind of distills how I feel about this area. And that is the book I Hate Men by Pauline Armange. So I've already broken my rule because I just said I wanted to talk about women talking to women. And although Pauline's book is aimed at women, it obviously has an incredibly controversial title. Pauline is a French writer. I've looked at her blog and I haven't read the book yet because the print run has stopped because the tiny publisher that was publishing it in France is overwhelmed with all the people who want to read a book called I Hate Men, who I suspect a portion of them are like me and they are interested in understanding what the book is and they're not necessarily saying that they hate men. So my feelings of cognitive dissonance are I think it's perfectly acceptable for people to not like the category of men as we are deciding that, you know, these are social categorizations. But let's say what we know about a stereotypical idea of a man and how um, men behave with their privilege in public places. Um, It's perfectly okay for someone to write that book. However, when you entitle it, I hate men, you are deliberately being provocative and making a statement, which I'm not entirely sure the book probably makes. And this feels like one of those publicity publishing things where someone thinks if I say the most outrageous thing on the cover, then people will come and read the content. And that's that's affects all of us. And we're all guilty of that, because I don't think I would have heard of this book if it wasn't for the fact that it was called I Hate Men, that other sections of the media found it and... um then publicised it and then I read more than one article about it and became interested in finding it out and thought well this is this is good so and if I do get a copy I'll probably review it for Beyond Beckdale because I think um, (laughs) it 
fits our remit of women speaking to women, although it doesn't really pass the Bechdel test if it's talking about men. <laughs> but um, just to illustrate my point on cognitive dissonance, I think that it's good to have more feminist literature, but I don't feel happy about a book being called I Hate Men because it feels very reductive. Mrs. Haynes, I know so many women like you. You have your fancy friends and your nice houses and your calendars are full of social events and shopping dates and charity lunches to make you feel like you're actually doing something with your lives. And now for my main example of cognitive dissonance, which is I took a rewatch of a film called The Women, which is itself a remake of a film made in 1939, directed by George Cukor, um, which is a very acid-tongued uh, play. Um, and I don't want to talk about that film. I think that's for more discussion. I want to talk about The Women 2008, which is directed um, by Diane English. So, for those who haven't heard of the film, the IMDb description is A wealthy New Yorker wrestles with the decision to leave her cheating husband as she and her friends discover that women really can have it all. So, of course, this is being marketed to a particular audience, uh, which is probably white women. And I am in a very difficult position because of the strong feelings of cognitive dissonance I had all the way through the film. So one of the greatest achievements of this film and once you realise it's there you look for it all the way through and it really is a grand achievement that you don't really see in movies. You would probably see this the other way around is the film only shows women on screen until something at the very end and then even then I think that it's a baby and the baby is purported to be a boy but I actually think it's played by female twin babies uh, there are dogs on screen as well but they're referred to with female names so I'm presuming they're female dogs um, and this is a film that's like a big budget I think it actually was 15 million it cost so not humongous but still millions of dollars um, a big budget movie that is set in New York and the Hamptons and Connecticut and all these kind of rich white American places. Um, so therefore, there are lots of scenes with people in the background and there are things like fashion shows and um, parties and there are only ever women shown. And I think it's such a feat for that to be something that you can look for and see and enjoy. And it's so utterly rare I don't even think that there are many spaces in the world unless there is gender segregation where you even would find only women like um a big portion of this film takes place in the New York uh Saks store um which is a big chain store across America uh, a very high-end fashion um, and uh, I'm sure if you went into a sax now well <laughs> subject to this being the pandemic if you went into a sax now you would find male customers as well as female but um, Diane English should be very very proud of herself for the fact that she did this because it's it is a difficult feat and it means something it's nice as a woman to just see women on screen when I have seen so many movies where you barely see any women at all or if you do they're mistreated so that's one of the good things about it there's my there's my like going to my love for it um some of the conversations in the film between the characters are really moving and they speak to how women feel about certain issues in a way that you again don't get to see in many films 
because although this film is about a off-screen male character who has an affair, it's really about how women deal with women. And um, that leads to complicated feelings that I have about how the film depicts the way that we have internalised misogyny, especially when it comes to affairs and cheating and matters of the heart where people have a fixed set of rules about what is the appropriate behavior and then women and men break them and women bear the brunt disproportionately of the fallout from those moral choices so um uh, th- this film is full of famous actresses. Uh, the-, the lead characters Meg Ryan, although I'd say Annette Benning is kind of the co-lead. I'd say the other lead characters are Deborah Messing and Jada Pinkett Smith. But then you've got these funny cameos from like Carrie Fisher and Candice Bergen and Bette Midler, Cloris Leachman, all of these kind of um, grand dames of American, a kind of, I don't know, highbrow New Yorky American cinema it is a great cast and everybody is really good in it and is taking this really seriously because you can tell they realize that this is an important moment for feminism um so again like i I love the idea of these characters talking to each other talking to each other about their lives that sometimes include men because this is about a heterosexual married couple and an affair but also talks about female friendship there's a part where Meg Ryan and Annette Benning's characters fall out and um, there's a really lovely makeup scene where uh, Benning thinks that Ryan is saying that she misses her husband and calling him her other half and you know the other person to talk to about all of her problems and then Ryan is like no I mean you um indicating that the bigger loss in the film for her is the loss of her identity as a friend and not as a wife um and um I think that's really important to say that and to promote that because I think that's how a lot of women might feel or even if they don't it's still something that we are told in movie language that women need to put love and heterosexual love um particularly ahead of anything else and this film although many characters seem to be preoccupied uh with the male gender um it's really about the relationships between the women who seem to be very much running their own lives without the assistance of men I could go on and on about what I think are the good points but I would just say maybe take a look at this film um and enjoy the fact that all these women are on screen doing these crazy things and having these deep and meaningful conversations but also having some slapstick doing some stupid things the same as any other kind of light-hearted New York movie um but it's probably about time to talk about why I'm feeling cognitive dissonance I came in here with, I I admit, just a ridiculous idea. That if you and I ever met and you saw that I was an actual human being and not just some stray thought out in Connecticut that you might actually feel a little bit of remorse. You know, one woman having that transcendent moment of connect with another. I felt some things during this rewatch of the movie and I think this might be my third or fourth time I've watched it but I haven't probably watched it in between five and ten years. Um, there are things that I've realised about myself and probably about the next wave of feminism and how this is portrayed on screen 
um, that I learned when re-watching this movie, my thoughts have changed. Um, this is a film primarily about rich, upper-class white people who don't have any of the problems that the majority of people in the world have, which is having shelter, being able to have food, being able to get gainful employment, having money, uh, and kind of having good health, all of the things that come with white privilege and also um, uh, rich privilege. Um, all the characters are educated, they're all like extremely successful at what they do, like ridiculously successful. Um, and there is, I, like, Meg Ryan's character has like two maids. I think she has like an au pair who's looking after her daughter. And then she has like a kind of housekeeper, but effectively it's people working for her who are both white. Um, but one is a kind of stereotypical Scandinavian. She's a Danish character. Um, and uh, there's a really funny scene in it where Candice Bergen's character who plays Meg Ryan's mum has a facelift. And I think even the idea of a character having a facelift is quite bold because a lot of what Hollywood does is it kind of hides this and pretends everyone's skin's perfect. And, and it's very weird when Ryan's character is talking to Bergen's character and like you can see on her face that she's had Botox, she's had something done to her lips, lip fillers. And, and that's Meg Ryan's character. That's the daughter. So they're almost, there's a meta narrative about what female... Uh, stars need to do in order to make themselves relevant in Hollywood which is kind of amusing but also like if you're making a film where you're trying to call this out then perhaps you shouldn't be having Meg Ryan and her trout pout in <laughs> this scene talking about it still the fact that the scene exists is great um I haven't even gotten to the biggest problems with the women one of them being uh, it is racist and the other one being it is homophobic in fact I'd say the, the homophobia, uh, homophobia is more prevalent and more obvious whereas the racism is a little bit more insidious because you do have um, a Latina character uh, played by Eva Mendes who, who happens to be spoiler alert the woman who's having the affair uh, with Ryan's husband although you'd work that out from just seeing the cover of the like DVD or whatever it was at the time or you know screenshots they definitely seem to show Eva Mendes's character uh, who's called Crystal um, in revealing underwear which is one of the scenes in the film but still I'm like in a film called The Women which is obviously supposed to be appealing to women I, I felt like it was a strange choice um uh, not that women shouldn't be able to wear beautiful underwear. There are a number of women who do do that in the film, but um, I'm not entirely sure I'd like the optics of that being how Crystal is personified. Um, uh, so, yes, yeah, so um, Eva Mendes is this character. However, she's like like an almost old-fashioned traditional harlot. I think she's called a slut and a tramp and various other misogynistic terms throughout the film by the rest of the female characters and again cognitive dissonance I'm sitting there thinking I know people like this who would speak like this if a husband is having an affair the wife and her friends will try and disparage the woman that the man is having the affair with when in fact in this case and in many cases the woman having the affair is often a single person uh, and is not necessarily cheating on anybody. Uh, putting aside thoughts on polygamy and open marriages, which is not the case in this film, um, 
it's just such an old-fashioned way to look at things. If you're going to lay blame, then perhaps it should be at the man who's having the affair, where the narrative of the women seems to be Ryan finding herself, which is good, but also forgiving her husband, shaming the woman he has an affair with, and then getting back with her husband. Which, again, is fine. It's about forgiveness. That's fine, but I don't think the husband really ever suffers at all he has a kind of um, even though you don't even like know anything about him except for the women he's having an affair with because there are no male voices or no male people on screen uh he still seems to be getting away scot-free with this and i think again that relates to privilege as well because when you have money it it seems to me that in a way the emotional devastation seems to be uh, like paid off in some way that you can go to a spa or you can go to a, an island somewhere or your house in the Hamptons which is what she does or um on a lavish lavish holiday or you buy underwear and I think that's both rude in terms of saying that money can solve all your problems and also suggests that the emotional range of people with money is less so than people further down the 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 nuance and the difficulty in watching this film and working out where the privilege and the intersectionality of discrimination lies is like really complicated when most people just think i'll just put a movie on i just want to see this i love there's girls everywhere but instead i'm just going there with my brain exploding like that meme thinking oh my god there's this and then there's that um so the eva mendes character is definitely some kind of stereotype it's really interesting looking at jada pinkett smith's character because she's the only black person i think who appears on screen maybe maybe a couple of background characters to be fair but certainly not in proportionality to the people in america or new york but maybe in proportionality to those at that level of wealth and uh pinkett smith's character is like um I think she's a stylist or a fashion photographer. She works in fashion. She looks fantastic. And she's got this really cool attitude. It's it's a great character. She doesn't have enough to do. Like, they, they try really hard. You can see that when a female director is working on a project, they are trying to give everybody a good crack. But I think Deborah Messing's character, who is this kind of, again, I'm making a stereotype now, a kind of earth mother creative artistic type who just seems to live in a big um new york penthouse with a husband and a lover i don't know go very confusing and lots of children who she who are all girls who she names after months of the year april may june deborah messing seems to get more screen time when in fact pinkett smith uh, is far more interesting her character is more interesting and she's more interesting deborah messing is great by the way but i just mean it's not a, an interesting character um pinkett smith is gay as well um which is um an interesting narrative in terms of black homophobia um which i know is a specific uh type of homophobia um in the in communities of color um so in a way you say that's a great thing making her that although that the no one ever seems to say anything about Pinkett Smith's race or even insinuate anything, which is a good thing. And then on the other hand, people seem to make constant comments about her being a lesbian and this just wouldn't get made 
today it is such harsh discrimination um they kind of call her a slut a bit because she has a different partner every week um and she's got the, she's like dating a supermodel who eats tissue which is just ridiculous um and uh then they go to a gay bar and messing's character is like deeply uncomfortable and i'm like just because you're in a gay bar it doesn't mean you're going to get ravished by women which is an almost like male perspective on homophobia and not necessarily female although there's me generalizing on gender again um and just characters all the way through just like make digs about being gay and pinkett smith's character just shrugs it off because i suspect that it's apparently based on a play by um a playwright called claire booth loose and then english herself who is is the screenwriter of the film and the director i presume and and um, they're white i presume that this is because they just don't know anything about depicting a realistic lesbian relationship on screen um and it makes me sick that 12 years ago we were so desperate for this female movie we were w- willing to throw lesbians under the bus <laughs> Um, and you know there was no idea about um, uh, being bisexual let alone gender identity or anything like that so you could say that the world's come a long way since this film but um, it is funny how in only a generation um, a film that I thought was so groundbreaking is actually something that makes me itch so privilege racism (laughs) homophobia getting a man being one of the most important things in life although they do toy with the idea that it is about female emancipation so i won't be too harsh on the film there um in places it's amusing makes me laugh in a way that is particularly funny for women you know jokes about women or understood by women i like that bet midler's cameo is amazing so i won't say anything more about that except for just enjoy that when it happens um although even then i do believe she does some slut shaming of uh, Eva Mendes' character, women who are having affairs with married men. So I think this film could be remade again, and I think it could be tightened up and made more relevant, perhaps bring in the trans community, uh, or just, you know, become a bit more woke in terms of those areas. Um, And yet, this film is so much better than so many other rom-coms, which kind of is what it is. It's almost like a friendship com, and... It does, it wants to be as cutting as the original movie, and it isn't. It's a different time of place and a different kind of feel. But it, again, it's sounding like I'm saying this is an awful film. So there it is, the film that, for me, defines cognitive dissonance. There are things about it which I loathe, there are things about it which I like, there is much about it that I love. I recommend The Women, and I'd like to hear what you think about it. So I thought I was done making this episode and talking about the women and then I um, came across something that I wanted to add to the podcast which is I looked on the Wikipedia page for films like I always do and I looked at the critical reception page uh, which there often is for films on Wikipedia and the critical reception page has one, two, three, four, five reviewers mentioned all of them are men which I think is hilarious it's like 
I understand that a lot of film reviewers are men. I've known this. I've been a film reviewer for a long time and I'm certainly in the minority, although it's changing. But you'd think that some high-profile magazines might think about sending a female reviewer for a film called The Women in order to see if it spoke to them. And Roger Ebert quite liked the film. So that was nice before he died. Um, But this film holds a 14% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And let me tell you, there are much worse films out there than The Women. It is problematic, absolutely. But 14%? Probably because it's all male critics who just hate this film and don't understand what it's trying to say because their fragile egos are offended that there are no penises in this film. The review by someone called David Wiegand of the San Francisco Chronicle says English doesn't make very much of it, very enjoyable. She often neglects to make her version of the story, well, fun. Worse, it's only occasionally believable. Some of what's missing is humour and snappy dialogue, but that could be forgiven if only some of the characters were more believable and the direction not quite as uneven. English knows how to get good performances out of her cast, but her pacing is languid and sloppy, so much so that one is tempted to believe that for all she knows about pacing a 30-minute sitcom, English isn't quite ready to tackle the longer form. And honestly, I'm just so irate. I want to tell you what I really loathe. I loathe these sexist reviewers who don't understand that this is a well-made film. It's not perfect. It's not even a great film. It's probably not even a good film. But the level of critique against a woman making a film about women is frankly disgusting. So I'm willing to forgive Diane English. I'm not willing to forgive those sexist reviewers. And that's now finally... (laughs) My thoughts on the women. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Loathe Like Love. Uh, tune in for the next one. Uh, you can email us at beyondbeck at gmail.com or you can tweet us at beyond underscore Beckdale. And you can now also contact us on the website beyondbeckdale.com. Until next time, bye. Bye.